John. I'm Terrell. This podcast is for entertainment and enjoyment. But most importantly, equipping black students with the tools to succeed. We hope you are entertained. We hope that you are encouraged. This, this is, is the Black, black Student Survival, Survival Guide. Guide. Thanks for listening. This podcast is for entertainment and enjoyment, but most importantly, equipping black students with the tools to succeed. We hope you are entertained. We hope that you are encouraged. This This is is the the Black Black Student Student Survival Survival Guide. Thanks for listening. each of them in a way that they're black history makers. And then we ended it with, uh, with you being the, a person that we see as um, a, a black history maker in your own way. And we want to, you know, you're, you're a black woman who's a CEO of a, a, a nonprofit, like who founded a nonprofit that is black history. Um, and uh, we see you as such. So we wanted to interview you and to just like, yeah, see, see, see where your head was and, and how it all worked out and like the highs and lows and what people can expect when they get entrepreneurial with their dreams. So um, I, oh. I'm just going to like, Rel and I, we have a, um, a podcast notes that we work from okay. uh, to to just, yeah, yeah. So to compile like, you know, talking points so that we're not just like flying off the cuff. We know where we're coming from. Yes, and you're doing really good. I love thank it. Thank you so much. I think it's exactly that that to be. that that is very encouraging. So, um, cool. I'm I like, so we're gonna start a notes right now, and then, I mean, like, we're gonna we're basically asking you the questions that we want to ask you. Um, um, so yeah, we just, I mean, like, right now we could come up with the questions. I had some that I definitely had in mind. Is that a new piece? Have you always had that one? On your on your left arm is that your left arm? Oh yeah, I don't know. Yeah, oh, what is it? Uh, I'm gonna get a sleeve. So um, it's this is like a floral, and it's a it's a piece that like kind of culminates in all of my years and like ministry and different people gave like different words or different emblems or symbols that they thought of when they thought of me. And wow. so the only one that made it so far was the flamingo, but there's there's a whole piece coming. Wow. Yeah. Yo, you're dope as shit. Oh my god! All right, yeah, this is why we're interviewing you like that. Right, that's cool. So, um, um, so my first question is, um, uh, I met you in ministry. Yes. All right. And um, you have kind of keyed in on an aspect of your ministry. Um, which is black students. Uh, what, what a black, what about black students? Um, won't let you give up on them. Won't let you like made made that your 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 purpose for right now. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm not really sure. You know, the honest truth is that I had a a moment with God when I was in college that uh, I I I think I was like kind of involved in some. I don't remember what it was called, but there was a situation where I went to a church and there was a black pastor there 
and um, I was fresh out of like fresh out of being out in the streets, and so all I really had was club clothes. I think I, you guys were my students, so I think I've told this story, but all I had was clothes that um, you would wear to a club, and I had just uh, broken my leg and, and decided yeah. like I gotta come. I had to have a come to Jesus, and so I went to this church, and uh, the pastor of the church like stood up singled me out and was like when you come to Jesus you change your clothes you are a new person and I remember I went home I was so embarrassed I went home and I was like I'm never going back I'm never dealing with black people again and I started going to like white organizations hey and then um when I was talking to the Lord about it uh I distinctly remember him saying no you are going back And so that always kind of stuck with me. And then when I was involved in ministry out in the Midwest and I would pray for black students, just develop this love for black students that was actually, it was kind of disconnected from actually knowing black students. I was just in a different mode of discipleship where I was just mostly praying for black students and feeling God's heart for black students. And um, there was a time in which this is going to be super mystical, but it is what it is. There was a time I was sitting in the prayer room and, uh, I I actually did hear the audible voice of God and it was like it was very scary and it sounded like thunder and uh it I I felt like I was asleep uh I I felt like I was asleep but I don't know if I was asleep I just know that the thunder really scared me and I started sweating and in that encounter God said to me Africa Africa who's going to weep with me for Africa right and so in the in the moment though I knew that it wasn't that God was like calling me to be a missionary to Africa it was more mm-hmm. like that this he had placed something in me um that was specifically for the black community and it's weird because I had a lot of dissonance in the black community I had been bullied and all those types of things so when God told me about it it was like kind of a like saying yes to a call then I showed up in Atlanta, started working at Emory, um, had my first black students at basic at Emory and just fell in love, uh, fell in love with my students and just the, they're just brilliant and chaotic and trying to love Jesus and silly and smart. And they're learning what it means to love and to have their hearts broken. And what does it mean to follow Jesus? And what does it mean to be like, have fun in school and it was just such an it was such a beautiful thing to feel invited into uh in the lives of these students and and the best part of it was just like watching their growth and watching um my style of leadership with black students was very much hands off um <clears throat> it was like kind of setting a table for them and just letting them fail and letting them mess up and letting them even some of them let them walk away for a little minute and come on back and like Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i think that um i think watching so many black students over the years it was like 15 years of this so like watching so many students and just feeling like this is this is my i'm obsessed with black college students i love them want to fight for them want to make a way for them want to help them love god in a way that makes sense for them help them know god in a way that makes sense for them and so in a lot of ways, there's kind of my own um, experience with black students. And on the other hand, definitely feels like a calling to black okay. students. Okay. So, yeah. Wow. Say about that, yeah. And, I, and I do remember this story, um, like, you know, you, with the leg injury and how you were put off, you know, wearing your, your, your club dress. But I still can't imagine it. I really can't. 
I can't. I guess that's what, like. But you can't imagine me wearing a club dress. No. Well, I mean, I, actually, maybe okay. you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> it's, it's just like <laughs> I don't know. I can't explain it. I just can't imagine <laughs> clubbing to me, like you know, versus the Timis that was like, keep them draws on. Like, I just like, yes. it just, the yes. if there are any of my students uh, to this day, my students knows don't drop your draws was my uh, yeah. motto. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, we lived by it. So yeah. Um, and anyway, you all uh, kind so, of lived by it. Kind of. Well, we heard you saying it. That yes. definitely, that you were consistent. I used to tell them, whoever's listening, <laughs> I used to tell them, I want you to see my smiling face. <laughs> when you go to drop those draws, I want you to see my smiling face. If you can still go through with it, then fine. If not, put your draws. I brought this up. Yeah. That was that. That was my fault. I walked myself into that snare. Um. Sure anyway, <laughs> yeah. So, Rel, um, Rel, you got one. <laughs> I got. I got a lot of questions. Each that answer was was voluminous, and yet I still have so many questions now. It, it opened doors for more questions, Rel. What started your transition to Morehouse? <clears throat> there was a young guy named Clinton, and I had uh, I had originally just signed up for Clark. I met a guy uh, named Jeremy, and oh, um, oh, it's Jeremy. He's good. Yeah, he's good. The one, in the he's the one with a wheelchair. Mm-mm. No, Jeremy uh-huh. Ford. He was the first student I met at Clark. And, uh, and so he had a couple of friends, um, Ikaji and, uh, Aubrey and Aubrey Scott uh uh-huh. uh, and, and Tish and, wow. uh, and, uh, these were in, a, I mean, within that was Esther and, um, and so I was just like, I started hanging out with them. And then, uh, at the time I was still involved in, in prayer rooms and things. And so there was a kid, Clinton, that was at the prayer room. Who I found out was a um, Morehouse student. It was like, we should start something at Morehouse. And so. That Clinton. Um, yep. And so Clinton brought a bunch of his his crew. And eventually Clark and um, Morehouse developed this, this group, this really dynamic group of student leaders. And they were just, it was just beautiful to watch. And then, you know, uh, around that time, came Josh and then Rende um, and, and so and Isaac and, and then um, so the, the Morehouse men kind of developed their own strength and then you had the, the Clark group that was developing their own strength but it still felt a little discombobulated so we decided we were going to scrap um, having separate chapters and be one chapter and do uh, okay together and so that's when Danielle and Tori um, at Spelman came around and then all the Spelmanites started coming around. And so it just became a IVAUC was the way we rocked for a little bit wow. there. And it was, um, it was phenomenal. And it was such, I mean, they were amazing students. They really were. Yeah. It was a good time. It yeah. was a good time. Dang, that was, okay. So I graduated 2018. You, when did you finish at, um, university? That was 2018. You know, here's the secret. <clears throat> the secret is when y'all graduated, I threw in the towel. So mm. I had a couple of classes graduate, but I knew that uh, 
it was more likely for me, even the way that I uh, timed my pregnancy and everything was really much like, um, I'm losing some steam here. I'm losing so my, huh? So you timed it. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. Um, I knew that like, okay, I'm going to have a baby. If I have a baby around this time, they'll still be in school. I'll still be able to rock with them. And um, so there was a real uh, sense in which I was like clocking um, the freshman at that time. So that would have been John, your group. Um, mm-hmm. And so clocking that and just going, okay, four or five years. I had I had been at Emory for, I think, two and a half years. My Emory students had all passed past they had all graduated uh mm-hmm. and uh so then i just focused you know on auc and then we you know we we the auc team went and planted um savannah state um and wow. I can't, i'm blanking that did happen i can't remember the other one wherever malik was i can't remember where he was at malik, but anyway i don't remember um, so anyway, uh, yeah, so we did all of that. And then I felt like, um, when y'all graduated, it was just going to take a lot more energy that I didn't know I would, I didn't know for sure if I would have. And so for mm-hmm. the last two years of my time on staff, I kind of wanted to step off campus and kind of train people in how to do HBCU work. Um, and so I did that for the last two years uh, wow. of my time on staff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I remember you saying that AUC, when you, okay, because you were doing AUC and Emory simultaneously for a period, mm-hmm. which Morgan's doing that right now, right? Yeah, I know. Shouts to Morgan. Shout out to yeah. Morgan. Yeah, yeah. She's, yeah, yeah that's wild. Because uh, that's a lot of work. Um, So, yeah, you were doing the two at the same time. And you said somehow, though, that the AUC was different in how we carried ourselves right and i never understood what you meant but i i i felt what you meant because like we definitely needed a shepherd but i didn't understand how we were different yeah in and then emory and that so that's just a side but um yeah y'all just so, had different needs you needed different leadership styles and different different things for me i needed to focus on different things there it's it's really good that you were able to like I, I love that you were able to like see the difference and like you're able to a good teacher. I, I was saying to my buddy who's a teacher, I was like, a good teacher is able to see, you know, the needs of each student, like, you know, and, and to speak to why they need those. They have different needs, you know, it's like, well, he's he's a psych major. And so he has a psychological standpoint. But in any case, um, yeah, my next question, though, is um, so. You have now the foundation of, you know, years working in the college setting, but then transitioning to an entrepreneurial, well, would you call this an entrepreneur? Like a nonprofit and a groundbreaking endeavor, right? When you, when, when you, (laughs) when you moved on to being, you know, a founder, um, was that call different than, uh, than what started your, your move into university or? you know, working with black people? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think um, it it was different in the sense that for the first time, I was going to not be immersed Mm. with black students, but I was carrying, I needed to kind of shift my focus because I was carrying all those experiences that my students went through um with me and that kind of was the you know the impetus for subculture and I remember 
I mean, to re- both of y'all were there when we named it. Um, yeah. We figured we sat around and we figured out what we were going to call it. And um, and I, I, it was very important for me to have my students name the next thing. And so when y'all came up with subculture, I was like, okay, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and so I think it felt like a very cool like way to have like sort of a legacy and, and have those students name uh, the next leg in the journey um, because they inspired it. Um, and so, yeah, I think it wasn't so much that I felt like a different call, but I definitely felt a different focus. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I knew that, they, that what I was doing on campus was limited and that I had done my best to help my students uh, love God more and chill out about whether God loved them and, and to walk in purpose and all that. Um, so I felt like I had done that, but what I couldn't do was make matriculation through college easier for them because I didn't have no money. Mm. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, there was ways I could talk to them about God, but it was really, it was really hard not to be able to like show them that God sees them. Um, when they got, you know, notices on the door, couldn't buy food or couldn't pay rent or like, you know, had car trouble. I mean, all of my students at one point or another went through some sort of crisis financially. Um, and I wasn't able to help them. And so when I started subculture, um, you know, I felt like I'm going to name, I'm going to let my students name it. If they call it grapes of wrath, that's what we're going to call it. And then, <laughs> like, uh, after that point I was really trying to figure out how do I, um, help people like myself who are working with black students have a resource for them. And so when we created the crisis relief fund, like, um, and now Terrell is helping out with that. Like when we created that relief fund, now people that are staff like myself can actually point their students to some place that can give them some help. And so that was really important uh, for me to do. So that's, I don't know if that answered the question, but there you go. No, I think that that perfectly answers the question, actually, Um, just because I wanted to know, you know, if there was a moment just like, you know, the thunder strike. So it wasn't quite the the thunder rolling, but it was it was a continuation sort of that was spurred on by what the students had already been doing. Like what I mean, just in what you said that that students um, had had a pri- a part in naming it and so yeah. like it was it was a continue the, the the call is continuous so it was one call but it has legs it's a journey it's it, it walks itself mm-hmm. out so i mean it's very interesting it's very interesting um i got the next question but i, I guess we're alternating well i guess my next question doesn't really tie in to the story mm-hmm. but um one thing i wanted to I wanted to give the students an insight into your personality more mm-hmm. so than just the, I wanted them to know the person instead of the resume. That's cool. So I guess one question that would lead into it is, <clears throat> well, I'm trying to find a way to say this. When you picked the people to start subculture, what was the criteria for the founding team, the people you picked to be in the trenches with? What was, what made you pick those people? How did this get there? Yeah, that's really good. Um, I knew that I wanted, there was a couple of people, Robert and Tamar in particular, I had known and done ministry with for a very long time and we had a really good friendship. And so after I started it, um, maybe like a year later, 
I reached out to them and I was like, hey, I'm doing this thing. And I've never wanted to work with anyone else when it came to ministry to black students, but the two of them. So they really helped me kind of hone in on, on what I cared about. Uh, and then we, um, I would say that the founding team wasn't really necessarily the staff team, but I had some wonderful friends come down to um, Austin, Texas, and we did a think tank. And um, we just laid it all out there. I laid out all the dreams. I laid out the vision. And I just said, okay, here's everything. I threw it up on a whiteboard. And then they they started, you know, helping me dissect what it is I was trying to do. So people like Sean Watkins and Jazzy Johnson and Barnabas Lynn and Noemi Vega was there. Um, trying to think who else was there. Uh, Natalie was there. Robert and Tamara, obviously. And Kathy was there, who's still on the team. Um, and then, and Julian, um, Julian was there. And so, um, we realized that what we wanted to do was we wanted to create content to help people lead black students well. And we wanted to create resources to help black students have like less hindrances to knowing God and finishing school. And so that's really kind of what we came out with uh, out of that time. But really it was just a great time of like honing in on what it is that we were uh, trying to do. Um, and so when I came back, uh, Robert and Tamara and Sean um, and Julian actually became part of that original team and did some writing and we did some podcasting. And it was a very slow sort of snowball. And what I think is that um, the the founding team and the, the original staff team feel like different things to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I think our staff team, it it um, is pretty transient. We're decentralized. Um, we have people who um, are on our team that I feel like um, are there. Some of them are there for the whole time. Some of them are there for a season. And I feel like creating an environment where people are just mutually enriched. So like they bring their gifts to the team, uh, but also they are enriched by being a part of the team. That's really important to me. Um, but then in terms of like whether or not uh, what I'm looking for in a staff, some of it is kind of a gut feeling. Um, I did mm-hmm. surround myself with people I trusted in the beginning. Um, and now as we're starting to try to expand, um, thinking about um, trusting that the people who know me, Terrell, will know kind of what what the zhuzh is here and know what the feel and the, the vibe is. And um so I'm trying to figure out like how to put it into words, but I I, I want people who are um, like our our team. There's a spectrum of belief on a number of topics, um, and I love it. Um, there is a spectrum of perspectives on a number of topics. There is um, there's a a spectrum of ethnic identities uh, on the team, and so I think. The beauty of that is when all of these people with these perspectives and ethnic backgrounds gather around a vision for black students, um, it just it, it ignites. And so what I've tried to do was really try to hone in on like, why are you here? <laughs> like, because um, this is what we're doing. And if you can convince me that whatever it is that you're pitching to me, because I love ideas. Y'all know that I love group thinking. I love, mm-hmm. you know, whiteboarding. If you can convince me that whatever it is that you're doing 
ties into this vision to remove barriers for black students, then I'll let you do whatever. But I need to be convinced that it goes with the mission. And I think everyone on our team has kind of been figuring out what are their unique gifts? What do they bring to the table? um, And how does that tie into clearing the path for black students? So I feel like, you know, hopefully um, as people get like with our, as people look at our social media, as they look at our work, as they look at our content, they'll kind of get a feel for the personality. And I mean, the beauty is, because I started it and then I surrounded myself with friends, that it does have my personality all over it. Um, Yeah. uh, And but I'm also hoping that that translates to be something that lasts for the long haul. And and I don't know, maybe maybe somebody else will be running it someday. So. Interesting. Wow. Okay. So she wants to Jeff Bezos off of this project. That's cool. I I mean, like he found it, and it, I like that. Um. Yeah. Uh, wow. So. Sorry, I'm getting a phone call, but I'm not gonna answer. My bad, y'all. You're good. I'm just um, so important that you know. I. That's exactly <laughs> why we're interviewing the CEO. I'm just exactly. Kidding, y'all. I'm um. Just so yeah, I I, I want to say. I like what Rel said about like, um, you know, giving mm-hmm. folks a view a view of the person and not just like, you know, the company's head. You know, this is like you're you're to me, and you there's there's how we've known you, and then there's like, you know, how it all really works out. So yeah, I think that our first question, though, Rel, like you know, brings that in with Tamise getting to tell her her legacy of, of 15 years of working with college students. Like, like she was boots on the ground with it. And then, um, and then she transitioned to the AUC, and but then she started a nonprofit that was the next leg in her journey. And then, um, and then how she chose her leaders team. So, I guess my question, and I only have like a couple more questions. So, um, my next question would be, you know, what, what has this all taught you, especially the most recent aspect of it? But I mean, just we could talk macro level of like purpose and cause I'm, I'm purpose is a question like that. I think people our age really are, are dealing with. Um, you know, I've been, uh, I've been vision boarding lately and, uh, my, me and my girl did it. And, and, um, we, we sat with her, I sat together with her little sisters and like, we all did our little vision boards and I look at it all the time. And like, I, I'll show you actually real, real quick. Like, so i did a vision board but then this guy right here right this shepherd looking guy who's holding the goats right yeah like to me he embodies purpose for some reason um just because of the simplicity but the kind of completeness to uh to 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 you can you can imagine a life where it's like i care for those under those who are put under my care Mm -hmm. and that's 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 purpose enough Mm -hmm. and so what in this most recent leg and on the whole what have you learned about yourself and your purpose yeah and if that's a dangerous word no that's a great question I've learned about myself that I'm obsessed with black college students uh I, I wake up thinking about them I go to bed thinking about them I worry about them I want to advocate for them. I want to make a way for them. Um, so I, I've learned that um, about myself. Um, I think the other thing in this process is that uh, you need help. 
You can't do it all by yourself. And there might be people who have, um, who, who bring out of your vision more than you could have ever thought was possible. And I'm, so I'm thankful for the founding team of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I'm learning about theology and the ways that I want to do theology is that if, if theology is the study of a living God, then theology grows and it moves and it breathes. And I think helping students to be okay with that process um, and helping students to be able to articulate what it is they love, believe, don't understand, don't like, do like about theology, about God, about life in God. And I, I, I want to give students, particularly black students, permission to be theologians. Um, As opposed to just being turned off. Exactly. Yeah, either I get it or or it's not for me is what I encountered a lot in, in college as like a student. I guess I would call myself a student minister, but also in my own walk, I was just I would I would I would I would be kind of frustrated with moments where I was like, OK, I just I'm not it's not coming up off the page for me, Lord. Like, what's up with that? You know, and the answer was would always be oh, but it is in the pages. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'm not on the right pages, but like, I wasn't feeling it. So yeah, I get that. You know, giving giving, giving room to inquire is, oh my gosh, like, it's where I'm at right now, but. Yeah, it's so important. Like, my thing is, I don't want to tell students what to think. I want to help them learn how to think. Mm. And um, if they know how to think, then they're always going to have conviction. And so we want them to think, and if they think, they're going to grow, and if they grow, they'll be, um, you know, bomb leaders. So that's the whole idea behind subculture. Students is like a place for students, by students, that is a, a safe space for them to to think, to grow in theology and as individuals, and, and mm-hmm. to develop as leaders. And so when it comes, when it came to who is who am I going to entrust you know, a lot of that mission to, um, it made sense for me to entrust it to people I knew, you and Terrell. So like, I think as more students hear about it and get involved, I'm hoping that whatever it was that was imparted to the two of you, um, through my leadership actually begins to trickle and letting you guys shape this, you know? Um, and so I think, again, another thing about leadership is being able to hand stuff off and like work yourself out of a job and trust that, if you did your job well, you don't have to micromanage it. Um, yeah. And so that's why I'm, I'm excited about what y'all are doing. With I got some bosses business. you can talk to about that. Good <laughs> oh my micromanagement is like, okay, yeah, that that's a word though. That's a word. Um, and, and so you said something in there that like, it's, it, it's, this doesn't even have to be a part of it, but I really am curious because you, you, you finished studying recently, right? Like, did you go to seminary? Uh, no, I that was to, Robert, right? Yeah, I mean, I went to grad school in, at Wheaton. I got uh, my master's there, and then I'm finishing up at a seminary called Fuller right now. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we mean this stuff. Okay, cool. So um, you said that theology, if we're learning about the living God, right, mm-hmm. that theology, you know, should be on the move. Right. So that came, that brought to mind something a professor, uh, Dr. Parker, I don't know if you remember Dr. Parker, uh, Rel, but uh, oh, you did? did. Did you have? Did you have to deal with stuff that he said in class before to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that guy was he was he was low key a wildcat, but I I I liked him just because 
I wasn't intimidated by he he was just trying to probe our minds. The only reason he was at he he was like, I wouldn't do that. You you don't have to peace head, you don't have to pay me to teach, but you gotta pay me to grade papers. So like he he just wanted to sit in the classroom and have Absolutely. thought experiments with his students. So anyway, he was just probing, you know, seeing what we believe. He 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 did it a different way, but he, he I think he believed the same thing. But he said that uh, you know, certain writings, uh post-revelation we'll say or you know after outside of the bible uh are biblical right like for example i think he said letter from a birmingham jail by martin luther king is so christine it is so um christ-like how how he wrote um that that it's basically biblical what do you think of there being like god continuing to speak to, this is completely off topic, but I really want to know what you think. Um, what do you think of God continuing to speak through um, major leaders or just speak to his, his, God's people yeah. um, about and 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 uh, ex- extra wordly, like outside of the word itself? Mm-hmm. Well, I honestly don't think there's anything outside of the word. I think we've made the word mean something that's very small. Um, mm. So when we think of word, we think of Bible. Um, but mm-hmm. that isn't the biblical concept of the word, actually. Mm-hmm. So um, I think once we can understand that, then we can see how God has been speaking throughout all ages to all people and will continue to do so. It just so happens that a particular group of people seems to have had a very special relationship with God and were given a name for God and given some ways in which God wanted to be loved and given some clarity on the things that God expected. And then that evolves and they get it wrong a little bit. They get some of it right, they get some of it wrong, and it evolves and God decides, you know, actually I'm just going to come and flesh this whole thing out. Uh, And we see that in the life and the work uh, of Jesus, right? So I think what happens is that Jesus, there's a point in the Gospels where he says, um, I have many things to tell you, but you can't bear it now. And um, and this is right before he leaves, um, he you know, ascends. And so a really important thing to remember is that uh, before Jesus left, he sent the spirit in John 14 to 16. Tell us what the spirit does. Um, mm-hmm. And so oh. it's 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 really uh, it's really I would say it's foolish to think that God is not speaking outside of the canon. Now, just because the canon is closed, and when I say canon, I mean the 66 books of Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. we call the Bible. Just because the canon is closed, it doesn't mean the story is over. And if it's God's story, then he must be speaking. Um, I think what the canon does is it helps us to sort of recognize uh, God's voice. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so... There is a consist. If you understand um, God's, well, not understand. That's a little bit strong. But if you come to terms with how God speak, who God is according to the canon, mm-hmm. then it you can you can sort of recognize more subtle ways that it's definitely God. Mm-hmm. Other in other in other pl- places that makes. Perfect sense to me. Um, okay, so I'm good. I, I'm good on questions, and I don't know like how to like tie it off with a pretty bow. But I just I I'm so grateful that uh, you you actually took a moment because I, I always I always like talking to you because I always feel like 
this is a spiritual conversation. So I'm sitting here thinking, if we, if we uh, post this podcast as is, like this, not even be just the rehearsal. This is like the what we end up uh, putting out. How 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 would we work with Ashley so that like it catches it on the nose? For me, this is like exactly what I would want students to like really experience about you it's i i've always thought you were a very real person and um and i think that that is and rel and i we're treating this as like a moment to like give you the roses while you can smell them like we 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 know how hard you work like the 60 hour plus weeks like it doesn't go unnoticed like you're 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 really just walking this this whole company through and so we we you are a black history maker. You are like answered prayers. You are exactly what every um every one of of your ancestors would have hoped for from a, a person who has faith in God. You you are I I I know from from how touched I am just even by this conversation. Like we haven't talked in in a while. I'm touched by this conversation in such a way where I'm like, Tamise is doing the right thing. And I don't think you could, I, I don't think you could say more of a person who's making history than to just be walking their way the right way, you know? So I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I just, I, I just want to tie it off with a bow. I mean, like I have uh, some stuff that, I, okay. So anyway, I'm not going to, Spoil any surprises. I'll just say that um, there were things that I wanted to do for the second one that aren't ready today, but uh, I'll still make sure you get that. And um, yeah, Rel, what you got? I mean, do you have more questions, Rel? Like, it's already been 40 minutes, amazing. So I think we'll end it here. Just for time purposes, we told the story of how it came, her story, how she got here. What, how ministry led up to this, how subculture started, how she picked the beginning and the staff, and how we're here today. And then I'll tie it up with talking about the canon and who God really is. And, and that might, you know, that, that's, that's the tip. We, we, we shouldn't go too much deeper into the conversation about God. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's they, like, come and join us for like who, what we really are about over here. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. An 18 year old hearing this would be intrigued enough if they listened all the way through. So I, I think we just for time purposes and like all the content that just happened here, this is enough. 